This is Leah. This is Caitlin. And this is Hannah. And this, this is, is Read Me Maybe. So to start off this podcast about The Love That Split the World by Emily Henry, the inside jacket reads, Natalie's last summer in her small Kentucky hometown is off to a magical start until she starts seeing the wrong things. At first, they're just momentary glimpses. Her front door is red instead of its usual green. There's a preschool where the garden store should be. But then her whole town disappears for hours, fading away into rolling hills and grazing buffalo, and Nat knows that something isn't right. Then there are the visits from the kind and mysterious apparition she calls grandmother, who tells her, you have three months to save him. The next night, under the stadium lights of the high school football field, she meets a beautiful boy named Bo, and it's as if time just stops and nothing exists. Nothing except Natalie and Bo. So this book has time travel, alternate dimensions, um, a lot of um, maybe hallucinations, maybe mm -hmm. not, um, a lot going on with Natalie, our main character, and um, the different people that she interacts with, including the luscious bow. Oh, bow. <laughs> Rolling my eyes right now. <laughs> and how um, everything, you know, works out in general with uh, Natalie trying to figure out what's going on with the things that she's seeing, um, which no one else is really sharing exactly. And it's something that she had way earlier in her life that apparently was cured. Supposedly cured. Supposedly, and then now it's back, and she just wants everything to chill out so she can finish school and move on with her life and all of this. Yeah. The big thing about this book that we uh, really love, besides, of course, all of the alternate reality, you know... And the gorgeous um, cover. Gorgeous, gorgeous cover, and by the, the way. And the gorgeous bow. And the gorgeous bow. <laughs> Um, one thing that is, uh, something that really catapults this beyond your standard, just romance, whatever, YA mm -hmm. romance, is its focus on the Native American protagonist, um, Natalie. So I think that that's a really great, um, point in this book's favor because there's a real dearth of books about Native American protagonists in YA. Um, and the ones that maybe are about Native American protagonists don't pay attention to the nuances of culture. Yeah. Um, for instance, um, some books are very stock protagonist or stock secondary character, mm -hmm. generic Native American, which is ridiculous because there's a extremely wide variety of tribes who all have their very own different um, folklores and cultures mm -hmm. and backstories and histories. Um, there is not some kind of just one-size-fits-all generic, yeah. you know, I mean... People vary extremely widely, not only in um, language, in looks, in genetic ethnicity, all sorts of things. Mm -hmm. um, so it's nice to see an author that pays attention yeah. to that. Well, because a lot of times you see diverse characters in books, but then that, uh, you know, they state that they're diverse and then there's no integration of that culture. Yeah, and that's, um, that's tricky. Mm -hmm. That's tricky because um, when you just paint, a color on someone but don't say anything about that mm -hmm. you're robbing them of any kind of background and that's not to say that um, every person will have the same set of um, you know behaviors or backgrounds or nuances or family or anything but you can't just slot someone mm -hmm. in some kind of hole and then not say anything else about it if it's important enough to mention it should have a reason well it's just part of fully drawing a character yeah 
Emily Henry never explicitly tells us what tribe she's in, and I know that's because she is an adoptee. She does a really good job. That, at one point in the book, she states that while not every Native American tribe is the same, a lot of them have a shared oppression that kind of draws them together. Mm -hmm. And I think... While it's not like a perfect argument for not naming a tribe, it is also like a really nice sentiment to see in a book. Um, because a lot of these times, a lot of times, like these deeply upsetting topics aren't brought up in books because they're too heavy. And I mm -hmm. think like the the way that Emily Henry talks about it is is not wrong. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, just a good reminder that you can have diversity and unity hand in hand. They don't have to be separate. Yeah, but without erasing yeah, things that... I mean, because that's one of the biggest problems, I think, with, with depictions of um, different Native American characters when the differences are erased. Mm -hmm. It's just like calling someone, you know, generically Asian or something, yes. you know? Mm -hmm. And you're like, okay, well... Um, you know, Chinese or Korean or like, <laughs> yeah, like very different, uh, you know, cultures yeah, and, and history. It's not to say that like everybody who's given like that title, like, okay, your, your character's Korean, they eat kimchi with every meal. That's not, you know, that's not always the norm, but like it is, it is good to acknowledge that there's a huge variety of tribes within Native American culture and yeah. It's very, like, intrinsically important to those tribes. Extremely yes. intrinsically. Like, that's the whole foundation of their, of, yes, <laughs> you know, cultures of each tribe. So, um, yeah, so um, good job, Emily Henry, for addressing that. And good job for having um, a really interesting story that's very mm -hmm. sensitive to these topics. And good job for tying actual Native American folklore into this story. Rather than some kind of pastiche yeah. between <laughs> 15 different kinds of not naming names. Worked. <laughs> no, I like. I really loved the folklore in mm -hmm. the story. I thought this the stories were very like they were so great for the like the story to move along, and it was just a nice. Is a nice picture with a grandma sitting next to a, a grandmother sitting next to your bed telling you stories. You know, something that she didn't have as a child. So what did you guys think about the narrative structure of the book with the, you know, the different um, kind of alternate dimensions and realities and, you know, maybe time travel? Was it, you know, in her head in these different parts or when do you feel like it gets more? I have to say I'm on? kind of a simple reader. Um, I was, there were definitely times I was a little more confused than I would like to admit, mm -hmm. but, fair, fair. Um, you know, I did enjoy the, how easy it was to recognize that her world was, had shifted because of, you know, the, like, the scenery changed, and I, uh -huh. I appreciated yeah. that. Um, otherwise, I probably would have been a lot more lost while reading it. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, no, I think Emily Henry did a great job of showing, you know, rather than, like, saying, like, the world is different now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah, she made, she really made the protagonist kind of question what was going on because it was similar enough to her world that she mm -hmm. couldn't tell that it had shifted, but there were differences that she noticed that kind of made it. Yeah, definitely gave the reader enough mm -hmm. clues to know what was going on. Yeah. Um, another thing that was really great when, you know, the story is told from both Bo's perspective and Natalie's perspective, and I felt like they had two different voices that I was reading, which I really appreciate because we do not always get that in YA books. I can think of a few off the top of my head. Right. <laughs> that where I you, like, won't have to... name here, but... <laughs> uh, <laughs> 
sometimes you're like flipping back, whose chapter am I reading? Yeah, um, yeah, totally. Because you can't even tell from like the he's and the she's properly. Right. So, yeah. I really did appreciate the two different voices and how easy it was to discern between their voices. Mm -hmm. I'm really interested to see what this is like as an audiobook. Oh, yeah. Ooh, yeah. Definitely. Love audio. Definitely. Um, unless it's like somebody going, and now I'm Bo. Like, why <laughs> <laughs> <Boy> shift? <laughs> Yeah, sometimes that gets really tiring. Yes. But uh, that's when we stop the audiobook and go to <laughs> something else. Because but we read it on pages. Y'all, life is too short to be reading stuff that we do not like. Yeah. Uh, yes. Also, maybe Neil Gaiman should narrate everything. Right? Or oh my Bray. god. Libba everything. Bray. Okay, Bray too, between yeah. the exactly. two of them, they could just read all of the books I need read and we just call it good. Wonderful. Yes. January Lavoie also, I want to plug. Oh. Super great voice. She did the okay. Diviners audiobook. Okay. So she did a different voice yeah. for all of the six characters, and you just oh, really great. get lost in Who it. Who did the Incorrigible Children? Oh, that's um, Catherine Kelgren, who she is amazing. amazing. She also oh. did the Invasion of the Tear, or not the Invasion, Queen of the Tearlings. Oh, yeah. really? First one. I'm going to have yes. to listen to it now because I love her. She didn't do the second one, though, which is oh, just That book was so amazing. I haven't read the second one yet. I hear it's yeah, sad. Exactly. <laughs> it's kind of hard when you're like... I like happy books. <laughs> this is not a very happy book. <laughs> no, it's kind of... It's sweet, though. It has its sweet side. What did you like about it? I mean, it was kind of devastating. Like, I was... <laughs> I mean, as you all will get to know as you listen to more of our uh -huh. podcast plugging our podcast right now. Um, <laughs> I, like, I like happy books. I like books that end well. Mm -hmm. I'm... You know, you're just your your basic white bitch of a reader. <laughs> um, I like happy books. This book is very devastating of a read, and I'm still thinking about it. And that's the mark of a good book for me. Something Agreed. that like catches your attention and keeps you thinking about it. Yeah, definitely a heavy hitter, though. Not fluff. No, it, they definitely they talk about some very like politically charged topics, and that's really cool. Correct for a YA book. Yeah, yeah. I keep seeing for a while, but there are books that talk about <laughs> politics <laughs> and like important topics. There are some really great YA, but stereotypically, YA is not so great in the minds of a lot of people, um, which is wrong. But I think it's shifting a lot. Yeah. Well, it it's a little happen. unfair because you know with YA everything is just mushed into YA, mm -hmm. but then when you have like other kinds of fiction, you have maybe literary fiction and then genre fiction. Like you have yeah. your romance and your sci-fi and yeah. your this and that. So some people might say, um, oh, it's a really political book for a romance or whatever, you know, and That's then that true. would be more understandable. But YA incorporates all these different genres. And so I feel like there's, people don't give enough credit mm -hmm. to YA in general because, well, because you have the high gluten and the literary and you also have all the genre yeah. stuff. And because it's young adult people think, oh, it's childish. But Some it's people not. do. Yeah. But that's unfair because often um, you really have to deal with intense and deep topics when you're mm. writing for children yeah. or young adults um, simply because they're learning about the truth of the world. You know, they're forming their identity and they're really becoming disillusioned about a lot of things. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, who is more cynical than a teenager? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. really, like they are really grappling with this shift. There's a lot happening and YA can really deal with some serious topics, which Emily Henry, um, shows us in this book. Oh love yeah. That spilled the world. And she deals really well with a lot of the topics. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm also going to give a shout out to Bo Wilkes again, because <laughs> he was Kentucky's 2016 Tim Riggins, super <laughs> sexy. <laughs> 
totally all over that. I'm going to be the Debbie Downer in this group <laughs> and talk about how the romance wasn't super believable for me. I mean, like, they just kind of like, oh, you're pretty in story. So that, you know. Okay. Yeah. I wanted to see a little bit more character development, like as like more relationship development, and I didn't get a lot of that. I can see that. That's fair. There's a lot of alternate reality development yeah. <laughs> at no, the expense I mean, of the relationship. Uh, yeah, so the romance was not all there for me. But, but Mo Wilkes is still super sexy. Yes. <laughs> sure. <laughs> um. Also, back to the cover. Uh, like. Mm. Google it, and even if you look at nothing else with this book, at least look at the cover. So it beautiful. is gorgeous. It really, really is beautiful. So, Leah, what was one thing you really liked about the book? Or a well, couple things. Um, I really liked the discussion about the different neurological symptoms, um, including the, I think there, was it called rapid eye movement um, therapy or something like mm. that? Um, whenever, at first, her family thinks that... Um, Natalie is having, you know, possibly hallucinations or stress-induced issues, yeah. you know, neurological symptoms. She is given therapy to cure neurological symptoms, and it seems to until, of course, the grandmother character and things come back. But there's a lot of discussion about, you know, PTSD and different neurological and psychological things, and I think that that's really interesting because it's not, like, shoved in your face in the way of, like, an issue book or a pedantic way. Yeah. It's it's integrated well with the text, I think. Well, you can um, tell she did her research. Yeah, absolutely. what was going on. She mentioned hypnopompic hallucinations. Yeah. Um, which is not, you know... A term that I think just anyone would throw out because I had mm -hmm. never heard of it before. I really appreciate when a book can teach you something without being preachy about it. Yes. And it definitely had a good way of introducing topics without making, like, hitting you in the face with it. Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. Who would you guys recommend this book to? Pretty much I mean, any teens. I think this is going to be one of the big books of 2016. Mm -hmm. um, it's not... I don't think it's going to be an award winner for um, anything like Prince or Morris or anything like that. But I do think it's a strong contender for um, general great fiction reads and beach reads and things like that. Yes. Yeah, I definitely will put this on my rickshaw at work. And I, I would recommend it to somebody who likes a mixture between fantasy and romance and sci-fi. Because mm. it wasn't like really any of... I mean, it was romance for sure, but it like... It didn't really fit either the sci-fi or the fantasy mm -hmm. for me. Definitely. Definitely anyone who likes time travel. Or adoption like stories. This. Yes, adoption stories. Um, I've never had somebody come up to me and be like, I need a good adoption story. But if they did, <laughs> I would send them this way. You know, like, okay, yeah. we could do this. I could see some Doctor Who fans kind of liking it. Yeah. Doctor Who meets romance. Yeah. So, like, what, season eight? <laughs> Doctor Who, like, Rose... <laughs> And I would say Time Traveler's Wife meets Friday Night Lights, but that's, you know, in all of the reviews you will read because it is very much like that. And Hannah really likes Friday Night Lights, so compare anything to Friday Night Lights and you'll get her to read it. Yeah, I'm sold. Especially if it's got a good cover. I'm very shallow sometimes. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> Absolutely. Nope. Very much a good read. So, okay. what other... Um, diverse books have you been reading lately or would you recommend? Uh, so I've been reading Miss Marvel. I'm on the second 
volume. volume right now. Um, it's about a teenage, it's a teenage protagonist who's Muslim and a superhero, which is super cool. And they tie in some of the other Marvel characters, which I really like. So it's like, there's a little bit of a familiarity factor. Um, but they definitely deal, uh, like, the book deals well with her being a teenager in a Muslim family and some of, like, her expectations as a teenager. Um, but also, like, her coming to terms with her powers and still maintaining relationships with her family and her mm -hmm. friends. And I'm enjoying it a lot. I recently read Shadow Shaper and really loved that oh. by Daniel Jose Older. Um, so that, I heard him in a podcast describe it as Harry Potter meets The Wire, which I thought was hilarious, but not very accurate. <laughs> <laughs> I did think it was really interesting, though. It's got a really fabulous cast of characters, fascinating magic system um, where she is able to call spirits into like paintings sort of and then they're able to be protectors kind of just very cool to read about kind of the rhythms of this um you know bedside neighborhood and very interesting you know to read about this Brooklyn teen who is um dealing with these different magic um and the kind of you know quest and save mm -hmm. the you know world etc type of thing I really liked it a lot so when you say it doesn't fit the the mix between Harry Potter and The Wire, is it more the Harry Potter? Because I feel like comparing <laughs> your book to Harry Potter is, like, a little bold, but also, like, a good way to get people to read your book. Yeah, like, definitely. Yeah, it's like Fair. Harry Potter for adults. <laughs> it's never Harry Potter for adults, It's guys. never. It's never Harry Potter. Um, yeah. No, but I didn't really feel like it was The Wire, either. I don't know. I mean, it's, um, I think he was... I don't think he was serious about it. I think he was joking. <laughs> but it's really good. Very, um, very good book. It's definitely on my TBR. Should be. Because pretty sweet. It looks awesome. Also another great cover. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't seen that one. Um, <laughs> one of the diverse books that I read, well, I read it last year, but The Unbecoming of Mara Dyer was excellent. And it is about a protagonist who can't tell if she's going crazy or if she is experiencing something supernatural after experiencing a very horrific accident in her life. Um, it's great. She is Indian and they kind of tie that in a little bit and there's a lot of other diverse characters throughout the book. Very well written, very interesting, a little bit creepy, but in a good way. I really enjoyed it. Inbox outbox time, guys. What have you um, recently finished or what are you into right now and what's on deck? I just finished an arc that I got off of NetGalley called Devil and the Bluebird. It was very interesting. It kind of, the summary makes it seem like it's going to be like the Crossroads episode of Supernatural, which is one of my favorite TV shows of all time. And it kind of starts off on that premise. Um, it's about a girl named Blue who meets a devil at a crossroads and goes on this journey to try and discover her sister who has run away and kind of disappeared. Um, it's very interesting and there's lots, lots of diversity in that book too, actually. Um, but it was pretty good. It comes out in May, so keep an eye out for that one. And then I recently started reading, um, Kill the Boy Band on my Kindle, which I am really excited about. It is super funny so far. I keep laughing out loud. It's great. It's just hilarious. That was recommended on um, all the books recently. Oh, yeah. Book Riot. Yeah, I, I okay. saw it everywhere. And it's real short, quick read. Really? Okay. But very, very funny. What else What else have you been enjoying in life? 
in life in general. Just whatever. I don't have a lot of makeup to talk about, which I normally would because I've been cutting back on how much makeup I buy to save some money. It's Good really hard. Good for you. Man, it's hard. I bet, with all the spring stuff coming out. <sighs> yes. I did buy a few things on ColourPop because they were really pretty. I haven't been to Sephora in, like, a month and a half. Whoa. And it's basically, like, Are withdrawals. you okay? <laughs> no, I think someone ripped my soul out. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like this book did to me. <laughs> a way to tie it in. Good segue, yeah. good segue. <laughs> Tell us about your book. Um, so I'm reading First and Then by Emma Mills right now. I'm only like a third of the way through it, but it's kind of like Pride and Prejudice meets Friday Night Lights. Oh. Um, holla at you, Hannah. Yeah. Um, I'm enjoying it thus far, but I'm only a third of the way through it, so we'll see what that what that brings. Yeah, and I'm watching a Korean drama right now called Reply 1988, and this entire, like, I don't, you can't really call it a series. They kind of take this theme and they run with it for a few different seasons with all new characters each time. Um, but in this one, it's back in like 1988 Korea, which was like a really politically charged time. So that's interesting to see. And then it's also just like a really nostalgic show. Um, also super frustrating. Um, <laughs> but if you liked the other two Reply series, you'll definitely like this one. So... So frustrating in a good way. No, I mean, it's good frustrating, but there's always, they always try, in this, in like, in these shows, they always try to be like, will she, won't she, mm. with like all of her boyfriends. So it's like, who's she going to marry at the end? I'm on episode eight right now, and they're an hour and a half long each, so. Wow. <laughs> Dear Dirty. God, will it ever stop. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm enjoying it so far, so yeah. that's all the right, thing. All right. What about you, Leah? Well, I just read a um, super fabulous graphic novel called Fight Like a Girl. Mm. Yeah, I know that one's on deck for you too, Hannah. I, um, I read it. I oh, you did read it? Okay. Yeah. note that Leah really likes to say stacks on deck, so she's going <laughs> to throw that phrase around a lot. Amorosa is fighting um, to gain... She's fighting um, all these different battles um, set before her by a panel of um, gods... And it's in this high court so that she can get, if she passes all the battles and the different levels, I think there's nine of them, um, she right. will be granted a wish. And um, she wants to do this so that she can save her brother who is terminally ill. So um, right now I've read volume one. I don't think volume two is out yet, but um, it's really pretty awesome. She is amazing and fabulous and very strong she's got this like kind of magical bat slash chainsaw slash other things it's so cool it definitely hits a lot of my bonus factors which is kind of slightly surreal logic or dream logic a little bit things aren't quite explained sometimes um but she is super awesome i love her glasses i just oh, want to yeah. say are awesome her outfit game is so strong um so she is um, fabulous and going through fighting these different battles, uh, lots of good witty banter. Um, but it's really examining her and her own, you know, identity and why she's doing this. Is she doing it for the right reasons? Mm -hmm. You know, so some of the challenges are very much like you're facing yourself or you're battling yourself and you don't realize it until, you know, the end. Rosa also has this boyfriend that she left behind, and so the narration kind of goes back and forth between 
her doing the challenges in the present time and then her boyfriend and she talking about uh, her boyfriend and her talking about different things related to why she's going after the wishing well and all of this stuff so I really like that mm -hmm. what else are you up to I'm going to be reading the Alex Crow for book club um, by Andrew Smith so that's a um, something that's been on my to read list since it came out since before it came out I think I had the galley um, and never read it um, unfortunately um, I'm working my way through Jason Reynolds book when I was the greatest and mm. um, so that's about uh, some teenagers in a neighborhood in Bed-Stuy um, in New York and so far it's really fantastic kind of talking about their everyday lives and um, some different challenges set before them so um, just a really great writer. Um, he's just so good at putting you in these um, teens' lives and what they're thinking and what they're feeling, and you're just kind of right there with them. Mm -hmm. So that's really great. I don't frequently like contemporary or realistic fiction, mm -hmm. but this one is really good. And then I'll um, be hitting up his um, The Boy in the Black Suit and All American Boys, which he wrote with Brendan yeah. Keeley. Very fabulous author, getting a lot of attention lately. Yeah. Um, let's see, what else, what else? Are you caught up on Call Your Girlfriend right now? Oh, I am super caught up on Call Your Girlfriend. Actually, they just let uh, another, was it a phone a friend or another episode or something drop, like yesterday, maybe? Yeah, I haven't listened to that yet. I know, so I haven't listened to that either, but... For our um, listeners who don't know what Call Your Girlfriend is, it's freaking amazing. We love them. It's yes. why I am doing this podcast and probably Leah too. Yeah, fair. Um, Hannah, I don't know that we have converted her yet. I just like the sound of my own voice. <laughs> <laughs> this podcast has covered The Love That Split the World by Emily Henry. And in general, um, read more. Listeners, read more. The Read Me Maybe podcast is a collaborative effort of Leah Wyand, Caitlin Seagraves, and Hannah Moore. You can find us on Facebook, Tumblr, Twitter, and Instagram with the username Hey I Just Read You. You can also find us online at HeyIJustReadYou.com. This episode of the Read Me Maybe podcast was produced by Hannah Moore of StylishBookNerd.com.